Generation Church, based in the beautiful Rex Theater in the heart of downtown Pensacola, Florida. Our hope is that today's teaching will encourage and equip you to be firm in faith, to fulfill the call of God in your life, and to finish well. Grab your Bible, open up your notes app, and let's dive in. For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five more five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered, to, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gathered where I scattered no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. At my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who had the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he, with, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth." Good morning, everybody. How you guys doing? Good? Thanks, Danielle, for opening us up with the parable of the talents. I'm so glad to see you guys here this morning. If you're tuning in online, welcome. We're so glad you're able to join us that way. How have you guys been enjoying this Entrusted series? Good? I'm Ray, and I get to be the privileged one to close out this Entrusted series this morning. And so before I do that, let me just go into prayer. So if you would pray with me. Lord God, I thank you for this opportunity to join in your name and to to worship you and praise you. I ask God that you would use my preparation and my voice, God, to speak truth and speak your word to your people. I ask that we would have ears to hear and hearts to receive. May our hearts be fertile soil so that your truth can grow deep within us and that we can be changed, God. We know that you make all things new, and we thank you for making us new this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. And so in this parable, Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of heaven as he often does through parables. 
And in verse 14, he says, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. And so in the context of Matthew's chapter 24 and Matthew chapter 25, we see what Pastor Luis talked a few weeks ago about this idea of the kingdom of heaven being now, but not yet. And so there's this time where Jesus is on a journey. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's entrusted us with things that we're to manage while he's away. And so Jesus came to institute his kingdom, and later he will return to bring it to completion where there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. All things will be made new, and his kingdom will reign forever. Here in Matthew 25, Jesus is just a few days from the cross, so just a few days before he goes on this journey, and he's given this parable to show us how we are to live. We're to be ready for his return, and we're to gain increase on what he has entrusted us with and return it to him. I like how the Holy Spirit kind of orchestrates things behind the scene And that scripture that Pastor Taylor shared during the transition is so true. We've been entrusted with the message of reconciliation. If we believe in Jesus, we are saved from our sins and from the consequences of those. But we have the Holy Spirit within us and we are to share the gospel with others, be ministers of reconciliation. That's kind of the pinnacle of what we've been entrusted with, isn't it? Salvation for our souls. And we are to take that message and share it with the world. And so we see in the parable this relationship we have with Jesus, him as master, us as servants. But I also want to point out um, something that it says in 1 Corinthians 6. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. We're not our own. We belong to Christ in this master-servant relationship. But there's another aspect of our relationship with Jesus. He is the owner of his property, and he entrusts us with it so that we would be good stewards with what he entrusts to us. And so a steward is someone who temporarily possesses property that belongs to someone else, and they're held to account for what they do with it while they're waiting their master's return. And that's where we find ourselves on this side of heaven, waiting for Jesus to return. We're servants and stewards of Jesus' property. And so in this series, we've been looking at the economy of heaven where God's supply is always greater than the need. And we unpacked how we can faithfully manage the treasure, the relationships, and the time that has been entrusted to us. James 1.17 says, Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. So all these gifts that we've been entrusted with, they come from God. Entrusted means to commit to another with confidence. And so God entrusts us with things, having confidence in our ability to multiply them. And it's a mixture of our abilities and spiritual empowerment that allows us to have the ability to do what he's called us to do. And so he entrusts us with these different gifts. He gives gifts to the right people at the right time for his purposes. And he gives it having confidence that we can use what he gives us and multiply it, manage it well until our master Jesus returns. We manage it for him, we multiply it by his grace, his power, and his mercy, and then we return it to him. 
And so today we're going to take a final look at the parable in a different lens, and we're going to be looking at the play on words for talents. And so the Greek word is talenton, and it's a weight of measurement, typically for a sum of money, and it's usually either gold or silver. And so I like puns, and so it's pretty neat that the parable of the talents, I get to finish talking about talents. And for this message, I want to submit that talent equals natural abilities plus spiritual gifts. Natural abilities plus spiritual gifts. So there's this partnership between things we're good at and things God gives us. And we'll unpack that further. Um, If you don't mind, this sermon is going to be scripture heavy. I want to really look into some of the key passages concerning spiritual gifts. And so if you would prepare your Bibles, if you have it with you, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll get there in a moment. I just want to give you guys a heads up that I'll be reading a lot of Scripture. I hope that's okay. Verse 15 of the parable in Matthew 25 says, To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, and watch this, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He gives gifts according to the servant's ability. The word ability in the Greek is dynamis, and it means power. And in the context of the parable, it's power to perform. And so God entrusts us with gifts, with talents, having confidence that we will be able to perform and multiply and do what he's called us to do. It's our natural ability paired with divine power, divine opportunity, and divine enablement. And so he gives gifts as he wills to where they will be best used. And we have this expectation. It's almost like God is saying, I have given you the ability to manage what I've entrusted you with, so multiply it. You have the ability. I believe in you. Jesus has left his property in our hands, and he expects us to be faithful, to fulfill the call, and to finish well what he has entrusted us with, gifts to use in service of others, and to advance God's kingdom and bring him glory. And so in the rest of the parable, we see the good servants contrasted with the wicked servant. You see, the good, the good servants, they were each given different amounts, right? Five talents, two talents. Different amounts, so they had different talents, different abilities, but they both showed equal faithfulness. They took what they were entrusted with, and they multiplied it by his grace and by his power and returned it to him. And notice how they were bold and they were when, confident when Jesus returns, when the master returns. They say, here, you've entrusted me with this. I have made five more. I have made two more. And they both get the same reward. The master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And so there's a principle at work work here. Using what we're entrusted with causes them to grow, but hiding our talents causes them to weaken or even be taken away. And so the good servants, they were faithful, while the wicked servant was faithless. We see that contrasted. And in this series, we've been talking about the human problem, the divine solution, and the human response. And as we're looking at the human problem this morning, 
It's similar to the other weeks where we were saying fear was the human problem. But in this instance, I want to draw out that fear, it's fear leading to timidity. Timidity. One definition of timidity is a lack of courage or self-confidence. And so God entrusts us with things knowing that he's, in, he's given us the ability and the power to do it, but we may lack the courage to use it or the self-confidence thinking we can't do it, we won't do it right. And so sometimes we might have a fear of messing it up. God, you've given me this gift, but what if I do it wrong? What if I mess it up? The servant in the parable was afraid because he didn't know God's character, right? It said that he thought the master was a hard man, and this word hard means harsh or severe. And so he didn't have a right view of God it's similar to how a lot of people see God today, isn't it? As some old, white-haired, bearded man in the sky ready to strike you down whenever you step out of line. But how much further from the truth is that? God is love. God loves us, and God is for us. But whether you have that wrong view of God or you have a right relationship with Jesus and you have a right view of God's character, isn't it true that sometimes we may fear that we're going to mess it up? I know I do. And so like the servant, maybe we have a mistrust of the master. Maybe we don't trust that he gives us, he entrusts us with talents and that we have the ability to use them well. So we become timid to use our talents and like the faithless servant, we bury them. If I could paraphrase the parable, that's a little bit of a tongue twister there, if I could paraphrase it, it's like the wicked servant is saying, I was afraid to mess it up, so I buried it. And Jesus, our master, is saying, by hiding it, you messed it up. So there's this fear that leads to timidity that we don't use our gifts because we're afraid of messing it up. But God, div- uh, God provides a divine solution. And in this case, we are to operate in faith and not fear. Because fear doesn't come from the Lord, does it? First Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. That word fear is, fear is cowardice and timidity. We have not been given a spirit of timidity, but of power. The word in Greek is dynamis, the same as translated as ability earlier. We've not been given a spirit of fear, but of dynamis, power, and love, and self-control. We have been given the godly power to perform. So not just entrusted with talents, but entrusted with the ability to use them for God's kingdom and for his glory. You see, it's not about our ability. It's about God's ability that he entrusts with us. It all belongs to God, and he entrusts it to us knowing how he created us, what natural abilities he created us with, and empowering us to use them and use spiritual gifts that he gives us by his spirit. And so maybe, like I I sometimes do, you fall into this trap where you have fear of messing it up, of doing it wrong. But sometimes another thing is we may have fear of running out or running dry. Maybe you've said something like, I don't have enough. I have enough of my own problems and I have enough of my own worries and cares I'm sick, I need healing, but there's not enough.
I don't have enough to give. We have this fear of running out or running dry. There's a pastor that I listen to often. His name is Mike Winger. And he says this, what we think will empty us often presents a vessel to be filled by the Lord. Isn't that so true? Our talents aren't meant to just fill a reservoir of water where we can go and take a drink whenever we're thirsty or keep it and hide it away, bury it, just so we have some on a rainy day. It's not meant to be a reservoir, but our talents are meant to be like what Jesus says in John chapter 7. He says, whoever believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And so we're not supposed to have our talents in a reservoir, but they're supposed to be a river of living water that flows through us to others. The economy of God says that the supply is always greater than the need. And so we don't have to hold on to what we've been entrusted with. In fact, God wants us to use it for others. And so if you're afraid of running out or running dry, like sometimes I can be myself, have faith that God gives abundantly and that his grace is sufficient. And I'm going to point to a few scriptures that will help hopefully bring that home. In 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8, It says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every great, every good work. The supply is greater than you need, and God gives you more than you need so that it can flow through you to others. In Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, it says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly Then all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, that's that same word, dynamis, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. God gives abundantly. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, it says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the dynamis power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's the economy of heaven. It's not about our ability. It's about God's ability working through us. And so don't let fear lead to timidity. Instead, operate in faith. There's too many timid Christians in the world. We need to be like the good servants and be bold and unashamed of what God has given us to share with the world. It's time to operate in faith and not fear, to trust God's power at work within us and be rivers of living water so that we can be ministers of reconciliation to the world. So we've looked at the human problem and the divine solution And now for the human response, it really ties well with our purpose statement here at Generation, to be firm in faith, to fulfill the call, and to finish well. So for firm faith, turn your timidity to trust. Turn your timidity to trust, because we don't trust in our own talent, right? We trust in God. God provides our talents, and he sets up opportunities for us to use them. Not only is is the talent And not only is the power from God, but the opportunities we have to use them. 
Next, fulfill the call. Put your talents to work. Don't bury them like the wicked servant. Instead, use them to advance God's kingdom. Use the talents God has entrusted you with to serve others and to share the gospel and use them within your church and your community. And after we have firm faith, we fulfill the call, we finish well. Don't bury your talents. Listen, you can't honor God with buried talents. It doesn't work. They just sit in the ground and maybe rot. I don't know. God expects a return on the investment he trusts you with. So at this point, you might be asking, well, what, what are talents? What are natural abilities and spiritual gifts? Well, I'm glad you asked. Natural abilities are talents that you're born with, whereas spiritual gifts are the result of being born again. So everybody, whether they're believers or not, they have natural abilities, right? Some people are good at sports. Some people are good with instruments or singing. Some people have business and financial skills that I'll never have, right? There's people who are good in in medicine, uh, good leaders, good teachers, good listeners. Natural abilities can be learned and developed and practiced, but spiritual gifts are not part of human effort or merit. They're gifts given by God. And sometimes your spiritual gifts, they may pair well with your natural talents, but that's not a guarantee. Sometimes God may just give you a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom for a specific point in time. Or maybe sometimes God will use you to heal somebody. These are spiritual gifts that you you don't earn, you don't learn. They're by the grace of God. And so in order to discover what your natural abilities and your spiritual gifts are, one thing you can do is look at what you're good at. If you're good at something, see it as an opportunity to know that this is what God has entrusted you with and he wants you to use it for his kingdom. And then after you look at what your talents are, you ask God and you say, God, thank you for this talent. How can I use it for you? How can I take these talents that you've given me, these talents that you've entrusted me, how can I use these to be these rivers of flowing water to serve my church and my community? And so if you have your Bibles and you open it up to 1 Corinthians 12, I want to spend some time here. I was thinking about paraphrasing some of this, but the Word of God is way better than my paraphrase. And so I just want to spend some time in the Word of God and reading this portion here. On your worship guide, I, met, I put down uh, some key passages for spiritual gifts. And so during this week, I encourage you to read those, really study them and meditate on them as you discover what the Bible says about spiritual gifts. And so as we're reading through... 1 Corinthians 12, uh, several gifts, spiritual gifts will be listed, and then there's additional gifts that are brought out in Romans chapter 12 and Ephesians chapter 4. So let's just dive right in. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Some translations say ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, 
but it is the same God who empowered them all and everyone. And so we see different gifts given to different people. We have different ministries, but it's the same Spirit and the same God that empowers His servants to do these things. And what are the purpose of spiritual gifts? Verse 7 gives us the answer. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. It's not for our own use only, and it's not for our glory, but it's to be shared with others, and it's for God's glory. We'll continue in verse 8. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, the first gift mentioned, to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. And these are empowered by the one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And so we have this list of spiritual gifts that God entrusts to his people to use. Why? For the common good. Our gifts are meant to be shared with others. And the parable talks about how he entrusted people with gifts according to their ability. But here it's saying spiritual gifts are given as he wills. And so, like I said earlier, spiritual gifts aren't earned, they're not merited, we don't deserve them, but God graciously gives us gifts to use in the church and to spread his kingdom on this earth. And so verse 12 continues with a section called One Body with Many Members, and it talks about our position in the body of Christ. Verse 12 says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. So you see, there's, just like there's various gifts, there's various parts of the body, but all one in Christ. For in the one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of the one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. All of us make up the body of Christ, his church, and Jesus is the head of the body. So we're all in this together. It really speaks to this idea of unity. If one part falls off, there's loss there. All of us are important and valuable, serving each other with our talents. And so verse 26, let's go there. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church, here's some more spiritual gifts. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, 
then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Rhetorically, no, we don't all do these things. But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still more excellent way. This idea of desiring higher gifts, the highest gift is the one that God has entrusted you with because he creates all of us differently, on purpose, for a purpose. Not all of us are given the gift of healing or of prophecy, but some of us are. And some of us aren't given other gifts, but it takes all of us together supporting each other as one body. And then this more excellent way that he's talking about, it leads right into 1 Corinthians chapter 13 where it talks about love. And then in 14, he goes more into depth on prophecy and um, tongues. Um, But the idea kind of is that love should moderate our talents. Love should be the, the foundation of all the things that we are entrusted with and share with the world. And so if you'll turn with me to Romans chapter 12 really quickly. I want to start in verse 3. And we see more gifts of grace. So this is going to kind of add to the list of spiritual gifts. But it starts out talking about one body with many members, but all of us having different talents. And then it adds to the list several gifts. I believe this starts in verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. We have these extra spiritual gifts talked about in scripture, and the idea is to use what we've been entrusted with. If you've been given the gift of teaching, then teach, right? And then it continues, marks of the true Christian or attitudes we should have as believers. So verse 9 says, let love be genuine. Again, love should moderate all of our giftings. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. And so we are to use our gifts in the service of the church. And I also want to take a look at Ephesians chapter 4. A a trick that I always remember. Galatians, Ephesians, uh, Philippians, Colossians. Giants eat popcorn. All right, (laughs) it's the chapters are so short that they're like one page. Some of these, so it's hard to find it in the Bible. But anyways, uh, let's start in verse one of Ephesians chapter four. Unity in the body of Christ. This key theme of unity. I therefore, this is Paul speaking, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility 
there's a humility again, and gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in what? Love. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace is given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. It's not about our ability. It's about Jesus. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? That was his first coming, instituting his kingdom. He who descended is the one who also ascended. He's on a journey far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave what? Here's more spiritual gifts. These are, uh, these are uh, positions that people hold. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that, he may, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Do you guys kind of see how all of these gifts are joined together with unity and with love? And it's about us coming together, taking the gifts, the talents that God has entrusted us with, and using it in service of one another. And then from inside these walls, we can go beyond these walls and we can impact the world for Christ. 1 Peter 4, verse 10 says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace, whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. It's not about our talents but God entrusting us with them to use for his glory. And so I want to point out three ways that we can use our talents this morning. First, share the gospel. Like Pastor Taylor mentioned, we've been given this ministry of reconciliation so that we can reconcile the world to God, the world to God, and that comes through sharing the gospel. When Jesus was about to ascend into heaven, he employed his disciples on the Great Commission, and we are called to this as well. In Matthew 28, verse 19 through 20, Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Something that's kind of cool to me, and it ties in really well with this message and really this whole series. Mark chapter 16 adds Jesus saying, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. And watch this. 
These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, and they will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. So we're called to go and share the gospel. And it's the things that God has entrusted us with that, like Pastor Taylor was saying, will help us to be witnesses of Jesus Christ, God's goodness, and God's glory. So first, share the gospel, and second, just step out. And I'll go ahead and call the band up now as I begin to close. Remember, the supply is always greater than the need, and so you don't have to worry about running out. Instead, you can be this vessel that God will fill up to overflowing so that you can be like these rivers of living water. Just step out. If you see a need that your talents can help fill, step out in faith and help out. That's what we've been entrusted with, and that's what we're called to do. Excuse me. Um, Something that works for me, it may not work for everybody, but it works for me. If I feel like not doing something and somebody says, hey, do you want to preach next week or whatever? Instead of saying no, what do I always say? Yes, because it's not about me, right? I just step out in faith. I'm not the best speaker in the world, I know that. It's a natural ability that I can practice and I can develop, but God has entrusted me with the spiritual gift of teaching. I believe that, and of faith. I believe that, of discernment. I believe that. And so I'm just stepping out in faith, and I encourage you as well, as you discover your natural abilities, your spiritual gifts, as you discover the talents that God has entrusted to you, just step out. And then thirdly, after we share the gospel and we just step out, I want to encourage you to join the crew. Growth Track is a good place, Growth Track 2 in particular, to learn a little bit about your personality and about the gifts that God has entrusted you with, either spiritual gifts or natural abilities. And you can see how you can partner with God through these things. Because we're all members of the same body, each with unique talents, God has placed together so that all of us can be encouraged and all of us can mature in faith. The primary purpose of spiritual gifts is for the edification of the church. And so I just want to encourage you as far as uh, joining the crew is concerned, try everything. Maybe you don't think you'd be good with kids. Try serving in kids' ministry anyways. You might be great at it. But one of the good things is, even if you're bad at it, then you'll know to stay away from that area and you can join a different ministry team, right? Maybe you're good at welcoming people and you would be a good fit on the first impressions team. Or maybe you can try out for the worship team. Of course, you probably need to take a real close look at your natural ability there and see if you'd be a good fit for worship. But the idea is to try everything because you never really know what you'd be good at until you try it. And that's a great way to discover your natural abilities and your spiritual gifts is to just step out and try it. Here's the deal. When you discover your talents, they're the best way for you to bless others. And so if you notice on your worship guide, there's a website that I have down there. Uh, It's giftstest.com. And what that is is an opportunity to take a little survey and it will give you results for what may be the five top spiritual gifts that are in operation in your life. And so I really encourage you to take this, and it's a real good starting point to figure out what spiritual gifts God has entrusted you with. It's similar to one of the surveys we take during Growth Track Part 2. And if you're in a small group that meets throughout the week, 
as part of your discussion questions this week, I've asked that you would take this test and that you would bring your results so you can share it with each other and discuss and maybe really find out about the talents that God has entrusted you with and maybe even talk about how you can use those in the church and in the community. So as we've been in this Entrusted series, I just want you to remember as we're ending it that God's supply is always greater than the need. And whether it's your treasure, your relationships, your time, or your talents that God has entrusted you with, be like the faithful servants who put the talents to work. Don't bury your talents. Be like rivers of flowing water so that you can serve the church and your community because God created you on purpose for a purpose, and he created you to be a part of the body of Christ, either here at Generation or at a different church. You're meant to be part of the body, all of us working together for his kingdom purposes and his glory, and we're entrusted with these, and then one day when we see him face to face, we can hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you again for this time we've had together this morning. Thank you that we can worship you in spirit and in truth, and thank you that we can seek your word and your truth, and we can grow together. I ask God that you would take what we've learned this morning, help us to think about it throughout the week, help us to dive deep into your word this week, draw closer to you. I thank you, God, for all the gifts you've entrusted us with, with time, with treasure, with relationships, and with talents, Lord. And I ask that we would use them well for your glory. Help us to multiply them. Help us to serve you and serve others in love and in unity. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Thanks for hanging out with us at Generation. You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram at Generation Pensacola or go to the website at generationpensacola.com and from wherever you download your podcasts. If today's teaching impacted you, we'd love to hear about it, so please drop us a note.